0: Visit roberthalf.com dot com today Domingo Santana, who I wanna add you to for us but cocktail the
1: Friday and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today, presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. July 30th, it's trade deadline day. We made it. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. It is way late here on the East Coast. It is after 1 a.m. when we're starting to record this podcast. So we apologize in advance for any dark takes, um, any after dark takes you may receive here. Today on the podcast, <laughs> we're going to quickly run through all of these trades. There is a lot of them. We have week 19 sleepers, two start pitchers, the furriometer. That's just the worryometer on a Friday, fantasy justice, and much more. You live, Scott? How are you doing?
0: I'm alive. I, I do think it's worth pointing out to everybody that the reason we're starting so late is because we've been very busy reacting to a very busy day of trades. So there being only so many hours in a day and Things taking the time they take to, to get done. Yeah, this is this is this is finally when we're getting started. And I, I will also warn you. I think it's fair to warn everybody. Our usual level of preparation may not have gone into this show, may not have quite as many sleeper hitters and sleeper pitchers for you as I normally do. Uh, but we're gonna do our best. We're gonna do our best. We got we got a couple emergency podcasts out that are very good, I think, especially the the Dodgers Nationals blockbuster, 18 minutes of analysis on that one. So we will talk about it here, but not going to go quite as in depth as we did in that one. So if you want the full breakdown, be sure to check out our emergency pod in the same podcast feed, you know, just, you just gotta, you just gotta click on a, a, a separate podcast. Professional broadcaster,
1: Scott White, with a great preamble to the podcast here. Again, we do have a Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers emergency podcast out, and we do have Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees, and that included a few bullpen notes as well. I know the Diego Castillo trade and the Brad Hand trade. Let's start with Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers for a hall of prospects, kind of. That includes catcher Kybert Ruiz, pitcher Josiah Gray, and two mid-range prospects who... I didn't write down, but it's fine. Uh, for <laughs> Ma- for Max Scherzer, he's been great this year. He's got a 2.76 ERA, 0.89 whip. Does this change his value much, Scott? Doesn't change
0: his value much. I would just say that when Clayton Kershaw comes back and is already gearing up to come back from his forearm issue, one of David Price and Tony is going to have to go now, I think given the fact that Tony Gonsolin was in the rotation first, and given the fact that David Price just had a pretty pretty yucky start here on Thursday. My guess is Tony Gonsolin staying in and David Price is going out, but it remains to be seen. I guess it's also possible that Julio Arias, uh, they kind of ease up on him, and maybe maybe there are some piggyback outings with Price or something like that.
1: David Price is 50% rostered. We could probably drop him, right? Yeah, probably. They also... Probably. I, I would I would
0: drop him, and we talked about this on the emergency pod, I would drop him for, I think at this point, the pitcher that went back to the Nationals in that deal.
1: In Josiah Gray. The team also also acquired Danny Duffy. He's still a couple of weeks, maybe a month away from returning, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how they want to use him, maybe a reliever, long relief, maybe as a starter if that happens then we could see both David Price and Gonsolin out of the rotation. Trey Turner entering his uh, final year of arbitration next year, so he is under contract through 2022 with the Dodgers, currently on the COVID IL, just having a ridiculous year. 322 batting average, 18 homers, 21 steals. He is the fifth-ranked player in Roto this season and joins a lineup that was already second in baseball in runs per game at 5.18. It sounds like, as of now, Trey Turner is going to play second base for the Dodgers, Scott. And I think the bigger takeaway, you could talk about Turner as well, obviously, is that one of, or multiple, Cody Bellinger, AJ Pollock, Chris Taylor, are going to lose some playing time here.
0: Yeah, they have to. I mean, assuming Corey Seager makes it back, he's scheduled to return Friday. So, you know, that's today. <laughs> uh, Corey Seager, he he hasn't played since May 15th. And we've seen plenty of injured players suffer setbacks in there. Recover, well, get re-injured really more than a setback, so who knows? But for, supposedly Corey Seeger's about to be back. He's going to play shortstop. If if there's an issue there, obviously Trey Turner could slide over to shortstop. But since it seems like he's playing second base, that slides Max Muncy to first. That slides Cody Bellinger to the outfield, which is already occupied by AJ Pollock. But they also need to move Chris Taylor to the outfield since Corey Seager's coming back. Taylor had been playing shortstop. He was an all-star this year. Presumably, they want him in the lineup every day. My suspicion is that Bellinger and Pollock platoon in center field in some way, I don't know if it'll be strict lefty-righty. I mean, they're three games back of the Giants. At some point, they have to prioritize winning over rehabilitating Cody Bellinger. And my guess is that point is now. So I, I really am not counting on Cody Bellinger. Maybe he'll get hot, turn things around all of a sudden, and it'll be like, why would they ever consider sitting this guy? But I'm really not counting on Cody Bellinger for much anymore. I'm concerned about Pollock. I think Chris Taylor will get his at-bat still. It may not be quite every day. He'll, he might move around a lot, but I, I think Chris Taylor is still going to get to play enough that his value doesn't change that much. Uh, as for Trey Turner specifically, he might have to bat lower in the lineup. Maybe not, but they have a lot of high, high OBP guys that it would make sense to hit in front of him rather than behind him. And maybe he runs less on a team full of high OBP, big power guys. I, I think those are the two concerns for Taylor, or, or for Turner, for Trey Turner. So the trade off there, gaining eligibility at second base, probably. Eh, but he might, he, he might be in not as good a spot for his abilities. Uh, just because the lineup is constructed the way it is.
1: The big prospects that the Nationals got back in this trade, again, catcher Kybert Ruiz, he's 23 years old, was crushing it at AAA. 311 batting average, 16 homers, a ten twelve OPS, only 9% rostered right now on CBS. And Josiah Gray, who we've seen a little bit from this year, has a 20.8% swinging strike rate, only eight yeah. innings pitched, so it's a super small sample size, but his numbers in his minor league career have been really, really strong as well. So, between Ruiz and Gray, where would you be looking to add either or both of those guys?
0: Well, Gray would be the first priority. I think he has the better chance of, of just claiming a spot on the big league roster right away. He was already up for the Dodgers. Um, and yeah, that that uh, that swing and miss ability he showed. I mean, the eight innings, he gave up six earned runs. He gave up four home runs. So the results haven't been that good. But to come up and miss that many bats, major league bats right away, I mean, it... It speaks the world of his ability. I think a lot more of Josiah Josiah Gray now having seen him a little in the majors than I did before. Uh, And and that potential is obviously very attractive at a position where there's always a need. So, you know, unless we hear he's getting sent down, obviously that changes it. But uh, he has a better chance of sticking with the Nationals than he did with the Dodgers, frankly. And so I'm more excited about him with this deal. Keeper Ruiz is probably Major League Ready away uh, as well. Big power breakout at AAA this year, after making some adjustments as the alternate site last year, he's always had a great contact rate. I mean, like a Jose Altuve-like contact rate in the minors. So, if he has legit power, too. they are talking a high upside catcher. But, you know, I think there's an even better chance he doesn't start out with a major league club. It's possible, but maybe not. And even if he does, just because so many prospects have had trouble transitioning to the majors lately. I'd I'd need to see some production from Ruiz at the major league level before picking him up. So he would be out of my top 12 to start out at that position.
1: In any two catcher leagues, I think you should definitely take a shot on Ruiz. Just see what happens next couple of weeks if he gets an opportunity to play. We did this exercise on the emergency podcast, but I said if he was starting as soon as he went over to to the Nationals, he. Wound up right around the 12-13 range in Scott's rankings. So right around Yadier Molina, Sean Murphy, Mike Zanino, just ahead of those names. So that's only if Ruiz were playing as soon as he gets traded to the Nationals. Anthony Rizzo, next trade up here to the Yankees, turning 32 years old in actually 10 days. So happy early birthday, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Not having a great year. He was coming around recently, last seven days, 308 batting average, three home runs, great ballpark, great lineup to hit in. Any thoughts on Rizzo? Yeah, I, I... It
0: was funny the way this played out on... We did a separate emergency pod for that one. We've just been... So many emergencies here, we're going to have a heart attack. It's a lot. Anthony, (laughs) Anthony Rizzo. I was able to find on Baseball Savant the breakdown of how many home runs a player would have hit if he was playing all his games at each specific park. Anthony Rizzo has hit 14 home runs this year. That's how many he actually has in real life. But if he had been playing all his games at Yankee Stadium based on the way the ball traveled, uh, so it's not taking in like environmental uh, factors, you know, so it's obviously not gospel truth. But based on the way his balls, his batted balls have traveled, if he had been playing at Yankee Stadium, instead of having 14 home runs, he'd have 23. What? That is a big difference. Big oh. difference. And and it it's the most that he would have at any stadium by uh by that criteria. So he, he's he seems perfectly suited for Yankee Stadium, obviously a left-handed hitter. I, I'd kind of been writing him off in recent weeks. Oh, he's, he's kind of just a guy now, but like he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has before, which owes something to the new baseball I know, but, but by like a considerable margin, and uh, still has a great contact rate. And I, I think this, I think this, uh, this change in environment could really suit him more than more than even somebody like Joey Gallo going to Yankee Stadium, uh, because it doesn't matter how far you hit them out after <laughs> all. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think stock definitely up for Anthony Rizzo with this move.
1: Next up, one we haven't talked about yet. Kyle Schwarber heads over to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for 20-year-old pitching prospect Aldo Ramirez. And Schwarber currently on the IL with that hamstring injury. He did take batting practice last week, so maybe we see him early, mid-August. And he was, I mean, you remember what Schwarber was doing. In June, he hit 280 with 16 home runs alone. What do you think about this move, Scott?
0: Well, Fenway Park is, is not an ideal spot for left-handed power hitters. Um... We did not do an emergency pod for this one. It was, you know, it wasn't an emergency, right? It was just, kinda, Scott, it was just were, kind of a chill trade.
1: Let's just say, let's just call it for what it is. There is no way we were doing an emergency podcast for <laughs> Kyle Schwarber.
0: Yeah, well, and that injured Kyle Schwarber, certainly. Um, so let's see. He actually has, I'll, I'll do this on the spot here. He actually has 25 home runs this year. If he'd played all his games at Fenway Park, he'd have 21. That's not a huge difference, and obviously he's not going to play all his games at Fenway Park anyway. So you know, the the ballpark could be better for him, but I think it's just a matter of you know, is is he going to hit the ground running when he comes back? Because it's kind
1: of a streaky player. And that wasn't a slight on Schwarber or the Red Sox. It's just the this trade came out as soon as we published the Max Scherzer podcast, so. We just didn't have enough time if, to, if to do it. If we did
0: an emergency podcast for literally every <laughs> trade.
1: <laughs> yeah. We didn't do one for this, this next Nothing's trade. Nothing's an
0: emergency anymore.
1: That's right. Cesar Hernandez went to the White Sox for left handed pitcher Connor Pilkington, who has strong numbers at double A this season. Uh, Cesar Hernandez already has a career high in home runs this season. He has 18 home runs. He's obviously joining a really good White Sox lineup. He is, I didn't write it down, but I think it's right around 65% rostered, Scott. Are you even more excited now to add Cesar Hernandez? Uh, yeah, I guess. 62% I rostered. I don't know.
0: I, I don't see a big change here for Cesar Hernandez. Right. Um, I guess the lineup's a little deeper. He's, he's been He's had a weird year because more home run power than ever before, but he's traded off. Uh, a lot of his ability to hit for average. I assume his fly ball rate must be up.
1: Apparently, he hasn't stolen a base over the last two seasons.
0: Yeah, so that's not even really part of his game anymore. He used to be kind of a high OBP, you know, moderate base stealer who also had a little bit of pop, but he's really sold out for the power this year. And, you know, for for points leagues, I don't know, I, I think his value is pretty much even though the, the the way he goes about it has changed, is pretty much the same. He's he's kind of a usable, but clearly not high-end player at the position. And Roto, I think you'd rather have more average and stolen bases from him.
1: But he's he's usable there, too. I, I don't think going to the White Sox really changes that. A name to watch, Andres Jimenez, who we remember came over in the Francisco Lindor trade. He has second, third base shortstop eligibility. He had a really, really strong June in the minors, July, not so much, but I would guess he's going to get an opportunity to play down the stretch for Cleveland. Let's quickly talk about some bullpen, Scott. Don't want to spend too much on this, but try to figure out just who is the closer for these teams. Brad Hand went to the Blue Jays. Who do you think closes there? Is it Jordan Romano or Hand? My guess is it's matchups-based
0: with the lefty-righty situation. If I had to invest in one, I'd invest in Romano because I think he's a better pitcher now and Hand... You know, it's 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 hard to remove a guy from the closer role who's doing well in it, as Romano has been.
1: Daniel Hudson, who is currently on the COVID IL, was traded to the Padres, and Kyle Finnegan picked up his first save of the season, thrown right into the fire on Thursday, game one of their doubleheader. It was an early game. We found we find out about Brad Hand and and Daniel Hudson's on the IL at that point, and he just steps in and he does a good job. Kyle Finnegan, three percent rostered. So, are you feeling more confident now that he will be the Nationals' closer?
0: I am not feeling confident in that at all. No, he, okay. has, a, he, has, he has a whip near 1-5. And, um, you know, he had been the seventh inning guy with Daniel Hudson pitching the eighth. It's possible Hudson gets traded and and, and never gets a chance. But if he doesn't, he comes back from the IL soon enough. He was traded, he was, Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. Daniel Hudson was traded. Yeah, yeah, that. he was traded to the Padres. Okay, he, I, I suppose you just said that.
1: Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, I was looking up Kyle Finnegan. <laughs> it's all good. Um, Yeah, okay. So, I don't know. Tanner Rainey got the safe chance in game two. It didn't go well. He ended up blowing it, I believe. Uh, but he was a more... He was considered like a closer in waiting coming into the season. Had a rough year. Been on the IL till very recently. I don't know. I I guess Kyle Finnegan would be the first pick there, but I doubt that. I doubt He's just the guy now. I suspect they're going to move. They're going to try at a few different guys in the role.
1: Yeah, Tanner Rainey has an ERA over 7 this season. So, not sure about him. Uh, Wander Suero, I guess, could work his way in, but his numbers are not good. This is going to be a rough situation, but I think Kyle Finnegan is the guy for now. If you play in deeper Roto Leagues, Category Leagues, and you need saves, uh, I would target Kyle Finnegan. We had Diego Castillo traded to the Mariners for reliever JT Chargois and third-base prospect Austin Shenton. Who do you think... Actually, we did get a little bit more clarity. I retweeted... There was a quote from... It was either Scott Cervais or Jerry Depoto that said, they are going to lean on Diego Castillo more so as their closer. Do you believe it? Well, that was coming from the GM... And I
0: don't know exactly how the Mariners' hierarchy works, but most GMs leave that call to the manager. So, you know, it's still more to go on than what we have, but uh, Scott Service hasn't been the most role-oriented manager to begin with. And, um, you know, Diego Castillo isn't as good as Kendall Graveman. He's not as good as Paul Sewald, in my opinion. So I think Seawold will still be a factor there, but clearly it doesn't sound like you can drop Castillo.
1: In Tampa Bay, a closer has no name. We know that. But Nick Anderson is working his way back. He's currently in AAA rehabbing. They have Andrew Kittreds there, who has pitched very well, and obviously JT Chargois comes back (laughs) in this trade. So uh, is it just by committee, Tampa Bay?
0: Yeah, it's got to be. I mean... I, I don't. I have no idea who I'd pick first there. With with Fairbanks on the IL, yep, and uh, Ison on the IL. I mean, it it might be Shawwa. They like to use Andrew Kittredge in kind of a multi inning role. He's been great this year, but you know he hasn't really been that much in the closer mix before. I have no idea. It's the race. Just gotta <laughs> kind of just gotta wait and see. Kittredge will at least give you good ratios if it ends up being him.
1: Yeah, he would be my pick for the next save, but my pick to lead the team in saves rest of season would be Nick Anderson once he rejoins the team. Ryan Tapera was also traded away from the Cubs. If they trade Craig Kimbrell on Friday, Scott, do you just have a name in Chicago that you would target?
0: Well, it would have been Dylan Maples, but he just went on the IL2 with a blister, I believe.
1: I'll look that up for you.
0: Yeah, um, so I guess it would be Dan Winkler would be the next guy I'd look at. I don't really think he has the, I, I, I don't really see him like seizing the role outright. Uh, I could see, I could see them wanting to, I, I could see them giving Maples that shot more than, uh, you know, if if he's not out long, I could see Maples, them giving Maples a more permanent look than, than they do, uh, than they do Winkler. And also, um, uh let's see what's that guy's name who got a shot last year. He's Rowan supposed, Wick. Yeah, Rowan Wick. He's yeah. supposed to be back from the I.L. soon, so I don't think he's that good, but he could factor as well. I, I think there'll be I think they'll be trying out a few guys for a while.
1: It was a blister for Maples. Dan Winkler currently zero percent rostered on CBS. So we just threw a bunch of names at you all different sizes of leagues. If you need saves, there is a lot of options that are currently available. Names that we haven't seen moved yet, but could happen on Friday. Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, Trevor Story, Jose Barrios. I have a feeling it's it's going to be a pretty busy Friday for us, Scott. How about we talk about some of the games and things that actually happened? Oh my good, goodness gracious! All right, Scott, I'm going to get us started here with Luis Patino, who dominated my New York Yankees on Thursday six shutout three hits two walks eight strikeouts nineteen swinging strikes on ninety seven pitches a thirty seven percent CSW that's called strikes plus swinging strikes league average is twenty eight percent so it was really nice to see that the control was there for him and and he was he was basically just dominating in this game twenty five percent is twenty five percent rostered is Luis Patino Scott your interest level in him. Who would you rather add, him or JoJo Gray?
0: JoJo is in Josiah Gray? Yes, sir. Some people call him
1: JoJo. Yeah, I, I was watching a Dodgers broadcast the other day. They were calling him that. Mm. Uh,
0: Patino. Uh, Patino has a job. He's been getting the pitch count up. This was his first six-inning start, but the previous two were five and a third. Clearly, he has great stuff himself. He's like, considered a higher-end prospect than, than Gray. And, I mean... Like legitimately a high-end prospect, like top 25 in all the majors type prospect. So I, I think I think if we were with another organization, we would have hyped him up quite a bit by now. It's just the Rays have such unconventional ways of using their pitchers that it wasn't so obvious Patino was going to be usable. But it sure looks like he is now. This is the kind of start that I think justifies an immediate pickup.
1: Would you prioritize Patino ahead of any of Tukey Toussaint, Tyler McGill, Brad Keller, Austin Gomber. Those are four of the top seven most added starting pitchers. Oh, boy. Um, Toussaint, Toussaint, McGill, Keller, Gomber. Part of me wants
0: to say all of them. Part of me wants to say none of them. I think (laughs) Patino has the most upside of the group. Um, But he's obviously shown the least so far. So it's kind of a trade off there. And he probably, I would say say definitely over Brad Keller. I would say over McGill, Tyler McGill. Right. Uh, You know, it's awesome that he came out of nowhere and has been pretty good, but I have doubts about him. And maybe over, maybe over Toussaint too. That's a little hard after two great starts from Toussaint. But yeah, Patino over Toussaint. I, I think I'd draw the line at Gomber, but Gomber pitching half his games at Coors Field, he could just
1: blow up one day oh my goodness gracious player for you from Thursday Scott Frankie Montas mm.
0: Frankie Montas is turning this is his final form Frankie Montas has, has evolved into his final form here seven shutout innings ten strikeouts and you know he's been on a really good run here lately uh, particularly in terms of missing bats He's suddenly become this like bat missing extraordinaire. And it's so, this is his third straight double digit strikeout effort in four. I said third straight, third double digit strikeout effort in four for Frankie Montas. All three of them, more than 20 swinging strikes. He had 24 in this one. Yes, the reason for it is because he's throwing his splitter which was the key to his breakout two years ago, remember. We were, we were discouraged last year because we saw him throwing it even less, and he had a bad year. It, it seems like he's finally figured out that it's his best pitch, or uh, he he just has a, a good feel for it finally, because suddenly it's become his primary pitch. Even two years ago when he was breaking out, it's not like he was throwing it a ton. I think it was like his third most used pitch. It was just very effective. But now he's throwing it more than anything else. He threw it 38% of the time in this one. It was responsible for 13 of those 24 swinging strikes. And Frankie Montas looks awesome now. It looks like your patience with him is going to be rewarded.
1: Absolutely. Just a ridiculous performance against the Angels. Seven shutout, 10 strikeouts. He was leading all qualified starting pitchers in swinging strikes for the month of July before this 24 swinging strike rate effort and his last six starts a 2.49 ERA including Thursday. So yeah. Montas is back. The guy looks ridiculous. Scott, was that a a Pokemon reference or Dragon Ball Z reference? Or neither, because you said this is his final form, final evolution.
0: I don't know. It's just it's just kind of the thing people say online. It's kind of online speak. It always reminded me of like uh, you know you you play the you play the the old school RPG game. Oh yeah, on on the video, you, you know, the video game, RPG, like you'd be, you'd be fighting like a boss, right? And you'd think you'd have him beat, but he'd really just be like turning into <laughs> another form, you know? Oh, I know. Yeah, so that's that's what it always reminded me of. I don't I don't know if that's what it's actually a reference to, but that's that's what I always pictured when people say he's reached his final form.
1: Another truly amazing performance outside of Montage that we have to highlight here at the top. Joe Musgrove up against the the Rockies. They were in San Diego, so obviously it's a very strong matchup for him. Seven shutout, three hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 91 pitches for Joe Musgrove. He used his slider and curveball a combined 64% of the time in this start. That's just 50% for the season, so he did see an uptick there. His previous five starts before this one, 6.29 6.29 ERA. Scott, fantasy trade deadlines are also approaching. Would you look to sell high on Musgrove after the start? I think so.
0: Ooh! Yeah. I mean, he's just been so unreliable and in so many ways. It's not like, it's not like there have been a few too many runs, but everything underneath looks awesome still. It, like, everything has been all over the place, all over the place. And I kind of wonder if it's because he throws six pitches and he just it just leaves him so much margin for error every start. Mm-hmm. Um, finding that right sequence. I wonder if it's just too much because it's, it's been, he's become such a weird player to evaluate. Has Joe Musgrove? I think he's capable of starts like this, but they've been too few and far between lately.
1: This pitcher was not amazing, but worth mentioning. A nice little bounce back here for Hyunjin Ryu at the Red Sox. Six shutout with five strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 87 pitches. Did a great job limiting hard contact against a really strong lineup. There was no Rafael Devers in this one, so keep that in mind. But another one, his previous nine starts before this one, 4.35 ERA, 1.34 whip. I don't think that we are in the clear yet, Scott, but this was a really positive step for Hyunjin Ryu. It was. It
0: was. I don't really think I have anything to add to that
1: <laughs> would you try and sell high on him after this one too if you can?
0: uh I don't think you I don't think it's going to it's not gonna work inflate his value in the way it would Musgroves and and to be honest i I feel like I have a better read on Ryu. Yeah, he hasn't been quite as good as we want him to be, but i i I, I still think the floor is pretty
1: high. Hey real quick. I know it's something that you guys used to do here on the podcast. Joey Votto, it it finally took us 30 minutes to get to him in this podcast, but just have to highlight, he hit another home run, his 20th home run of the season on Thursday. He now has eight home runs over his last six games and finally admitted that he is trying to hit for more power, which we all suspected, but it was pretty cool to see. No, he said that that last year.
0: He said that last September when he started uh, hitting more home runs that, he realized, his, he realized the approach that won him, the MVP, doesn't work anymore because he's getting old. And so he needs to not worry so much about striking out and just let her rip. And Joey Votto's pretty good self-evaluator, it turns out.
1: Hey, real quick. Freddie Peralta had a great start. Six shutout with five strikeouts against the Pirates. However, he only threw 68 pitches in this start. So now, over his last two starts, it's 68 pitches, it's 51 pitches, Someone tweeted at me after the start, and they said, "Are you going to move him back up?" Because I lowered Freddie Peralta in my rankings. I I think I dropped him down to SP twenty four, SP twenty five, something like that. I'm not going to move him up, Scott, because as great as he was here, he's still below seventy pitches. I mean, that's a pretty good ranking. Yeah,
0: it's still very. Yeah, good. I yeah. mean, it, they're they're going to they're going to pull back on him a little in the second half. They've admitted as much. Uh, I don't think it's going to be four innings every time, but it's going to be less predictable from start to start, how many innings he gives
1: you. All right. Before we hit the news and notes, quickly promote the MLB trade deadline is rapidly approaching. Sure is. And you should be listening to Nothing Personal with David Sampson to be your guy. David Sampson ran a Major League Baseball team for 18 years, so he's no stranger to how trades go down, why trades get accepted, or why offers get a hard no. Nothing Personal will have more than just winners and losers. David will provide expert insight and analysis uh, on every trade, no matter what goes down at the deadline. Remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Some news and notes we'll quickly run through here. Mike Trout received an MRI on Thursday and was encouraged with the results. Even with that, he remains without a timetable and the Angels are also consider moving Mike Trout to a corner outfield spot. Don't think that really changes his value much, but... Hoping to see you soon, Mike Trout, because we we need you, man. Bryce Harper was removed from Game 2 of Thursday's doubleheader with back spasms, something that he's dealt with off and on all season. I kind of thought he was past it because he's having a pretty good July, but... Again, rears its ugly head for Bryce Harper. Rafael Devers was out of the lineup on Thursday with that quad injury as expected. Eloy Jimenez was also out with that groin strain. After getting hit by a pitch on his elbow on Wednesday, Lord Gurriel had x-rays come back negative and is considered day-to-day. Reese Hoskins exited Thursday with a left groin injury. Nico Horner was placed on the IL with a right oblique strain. Luis Severino returned. Nope, that's not true. Brendan Crawford returned and went one for three with a double and two RBI. My eyes are just blending words together at this point, Scott. Luis Severino will begin a rehab assignment on Tuesday in the minors. So good news there for Severino. Tanner Houck, not great news. Who He was optioned to AAA on Thursday. He'll be recalled next week to start one of their, one of the doubleheader games in Toronto. That's August 7th. But even with that, Scott, he's looked good, Tanner Houck. I, I think it's going to be one of those things where he's just the extra man on the team for the doubleheader, and, and then he probably gets sent back down, especially with Chris Sale coming.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it sounds like the Red Sox, it's possible. They acquire a starting pitcher, too. I know they were in on Scherzer. Obviously, that didn't happen. But Jose Barrios is still out there. There are still other arms they could acquire, and I do it doesn't seem like they're that committed to giving. How uh, an extended look here.
1: Mike Moustakis could begin a rehab assignment at AAA early next week. He's 65% rostered. Would you be looking to stash him anywhere? Deeper Roto Leagues. Terry Francona will step away for the remainder of the season to focus on health issues. So get well soon, Tito. And Hector Santiago, who previously was suspended 10 games for the first one caught with the Sticky Substances has been suspended for 80 games after testing positive for exogenous testosterone. Don't know much about that. At least it wasn't Beaver Tranquilizer. God's latest prospect report is currently live on the site. We can't spend too much time on this, um, but the new five that are on the verge, Bobby Witt, you know, Joe Waddell, you know, Edward Cabrera, you know, Jose Miranda, third baseman for the Minnesota Twins, we've talked about him quite a bit recently, graduates inside the... Five on the verge, as does starting pitcher Reed Detmers with the Los Angeles Angels. Scott, anything? We talk about these guys quite a bit. Detmers recently promoted to AAA. If the Angels trade any starting pitchers on Friday, I guess that would increase Reed Detmers' chances.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a long shot. Anybody I'm going to put in that fifth spot now is a long shot, Mm -hmm. Uh, but... He His first start after moving up to AAA was great. I believe he struck out nine in six innings. So, you know, I, I don't know how much more he has to prove in the minors, but he was just their first-round pick last year. Not a young guy, but it, it, it would still be a rush for a team that's barely in it, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about Jose Miranda, and we've talked about the ridiculous numbers he's put up. I, I think combined with the low strikeout rate, like it's, I, I, I feel like if he doesn't exhaust rookie eligibility this year, he's going to show up surprisingly high on prospect list next year. At least he should, because it's, I'm not really seeing what there is to complain about for Jose Miranda. He's not a great fielder at third base, I guess and he's been playing some first base in the minors, been playing some second base. Uh, But for our purposes, it's actually good that he's been getting that exposure at different positions because his arrival doesn't necessarily depend on Josh Donaldson getting traded, though that would obviously help.
1: Scott's five prospects that are on the periphery. Royals catcher MJ Melendez, Rockies outfielder Zach Veen, that was their first-round pick from the 2020 draft, Dodgers second baseman Michael Bush now... Texas Rangers' second baseman, Ezekiel Duran. Rockies' third baseman, LA Harris Montero. Those are the five on the periphery. You can read more about them on the site, cbssports.com, slash fantasy, slash baseball. And I did just want to provide a little bit of an update here. Some big-name prospects that have recently returned from injury includes Marco Luciano with the San Francisco Giants and Emerson Hancock with the Seattle Mariners. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return... We're going to help you get ready for next week here on Fantasy Baseball Today.
0: New CBS Sunday.
1: You collect rewards, right?
0: This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So so. So so. So so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions, and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: The week 19 pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels and let's get things started with some two start pitchers, Scotty, who you got? Well, Frank, I think we probably need to go
0: over this list together because normally I spend the Thursday leading up to the podcast uh, putting together these lists but instead I was reacting to trades. So <laughs> we're going to do this the way we used to do it with Adam Azer. Let's do it. We'll open the two-star pitchers list. Sorry, Line and Kugels, for lo- ruining your segment. But, but, who we got here? Uh, so among those rostered in less than 80% of leagues, why don't you go through the list there, Frank, and I'll, I'll double-check to make sure I actually have them as two-star pitchers.
1: All right, so we are going with under 80% rostered, you said, right? Yep. All right, so that would include Patrick Corbin up against the Phillies and the Braves, no. We could drop Patrick Corbin, right? Like, just be gone? Yeah. He's still 77% rostered. So, uh, Tyler Ma- Tyler McGill at the Marlins and at the Phillies. Yep, that
0: looks legit. And I think especially with that Marlins matchup, he's...
1: Pretty close to a must. Steven Matz versus Cleveland and versus the Red Sox. Nah. No. Chris Flexen at Tampa Bay and at the Yankees.
0: No. Mm, Got roughed up last time, and those are some not-so-great matchups. I, I
1: think that would be strictly a points league play. And he's been much better at home this season versus on the road. Chris Flexen has. Madison Bumgarner versus the Giants. Ooh, revenge game. And at the Padres. Yeah, I mean, he was, was it today that he pitched? No, was it it, yesterday. it was Wednesday, seven innings, two runs against the Rangers.
0: Yeah, uh, the velocity hasn't been very good since he came back, and the strikeouts have been almost non-existent, even though it's been three decent starts in a row for Bumgarner. So I would say no to him.
1: Yeah, and his spin rates are down around 300 RPM on all of his main pitches. So, yeah. It's rough. Johnny Cueto, who actually had a pretty good start on Thursday against the Dodgers, trying to pull up what his line was here. It was five and two-thirds shutout with five strikeouts, and he's been better recently. He is at the Diamondbacks, at the Brewers, 56% rostered. I think this one might work, Scott. I
0: agree. Those two matchups and the fact that his last three starts have been, they haven't been quality starts because some of them have been short, but... Uh but Johnny Cueto, I stopped short of saying I trust him, but these matchups are good enough that I'd take a shot on him if I if I was just looking for volume.
1: Zach Davies at the Rockies versus the White Sox. No. No. Willie Peralta? No. That experiment's over, right? Yeah, that's over. Uh Dane Dunning versus the Angels and at Oakland.
0: Should have traded me Willie Peralta in the Dynasty League when you had the chance, Frank.
1: Yes. Yeah. Just, just
0: just pointed it out. Just pointed it out.
1: You are right. Who else Dane was, Dunning? Who who else was I giving you in that trade? Uh Caleb Smith. Oh, it was gosh. it was
0: those two for
1: Dalton Jeffrey. Right? Uh, I don't want to talk about
0: it. Nance. Yeah, Dane Dunning it was going to be a, it was going to be a pretty low consequence trade probably. Want, Dane Dunning is a no for me.
1: Uh Adrian Hauser at home versus the Pirates and the Giants.
0: Uh, I could see doing it in a point league, but it's not very exciting.
1: Uh, scrolling through here, Garrett Richards, no. Jose Suarez, no. Michael Waka versus the Mariners at the Orioles. 3.60 ERA in the month of July. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't have a lot of faith in Michael Waka, but his last start was great in every respect. And he's had two starts in July that were like that. Just very inconsistent. Those matchups are really good though. And I think I think there's a uh, there's sleeper potential for Waka. I wouldn't recommend him for everybody though.
1: All right. Jordan Lyle, a couple more names here. Jordan Lyles versus the Angels and at Oakland. I don't think so. Chad Cool at the Brewers at the Reds. Nah. Last one here, Chris Bubich at the White Sox, at the Cardinals. His last three starts, he's gone at least six innings. And there were quality starts. two yeah. earned runs or less in all of them. No, though. No. <laughs> all right, I tried my best to to build up Chris Bubich there. All right, so some two-star pitchers. We went through all of them. Uh, some ones that you can focus on there.
0: Johnny Cueto was one. Uh, what was Michael Waka. Those were the most available ones. Tyler McGill, if he happens to be available in your league. I, th- I think those were the standouts, right?
1: Yes. Madison Baum- Baumgartner, we didn't like. Yeah, those were the ones that stood out most. All right, Scott, some sleeper hitters who are rostered in less than 80% of leagues. You have any any names there you could throw us?
0: I think we're going to have to go through this one together, too. I do have the five best matchups for you, though. The Number one is the Blue Jays. They're the only team playing eight games this week. Number two is the Rockies. They're at home for all six of their games. Number three is the Yankees. Number four is the Marlins. And number five is the Braves. Mm. So... Uh, you know, for the Rockies, C.J. Crone and Brendan Rogers immediately jump out as guys you could potentially look at using. They're not in the five best matchups, but I do like the White Sox matchups this week. So newly acquired Cesar Hernandez would be a fine play. I think Andrew Vaughn, you could look into playing him. The Reds, have, I do like their matchups too. I don't know that we can get away with calling Joey Votto a sleeper anymore. And I think we're past that point with Jonathan India, too.
1: Ooh, I have a name for you there, then. Uh, Kyle Farmer. The guy is absolutely on fire right now. He went three for five on Thursday. He's batting 394 with four home runs and 1139 OPS in July. His line drive rate this month is exactly double his strikeout rate. 34% line drives, 17% strikeout rate. In deep leagues, Kyle Farmer, I like it.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of legitimacy to, to Farmer, but he's so hot right now. Farmersonly.com. <laughs> I
1: was about to make a reference myself.
0: Uh, Gio Urshela, uh,
1: maybe in some shallower leagues, he's 80% rostered. So yeah, maybe a 10 I, I, I
0: also like the Tigers matchups. And so, you know, Robbie Grossman and, and Akil Badu, we've been recommending them a lot lately. Also, Jamer Candelario's been hot. Eric Haas has been hot. So there are a few guys you could look to there. Yeah, I th- otherwise I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to point you to the the sleeper hitters column on the website. It might be up later in the day Friday than it used to be since I can a little behind schedule here. But it'll be up. It'll be up going into the weekend for sure.
1: One other name that I'll throw out there: the Marlins. You said are in this uh, best matchups for week 19, and, and Brian Anderson's someone that we brought up recently as well, so I will just throw his name out there, and uh, also the Braves, the Braves are part of that, so potentially Jock Peterson, and, and by the way, we received an awesome email from Chris, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the last name, but from Chris. Towers? Uh, it was not Chris Towers, but he oh. sent this soundbite in of his son doing the Jock Peterson impression that Adam used to do, so Jock Peterson, like that, and but you was, don't get uh, no that i don't get because i haven't seen what is it ferris bueller's day off i still haven't seen yeah. it so uh here it is <laughs> that's pretty good there.
0: <laughs> the
1: that was awesome so we do appreciate uh, anything that you guys want to send it like in. doing
0: it in the woods or are those crickets <laughs> chirping in the background
1: he actually sent it a video too and, and his it looks like his son is ready to play some baseball or wiffle ball or something there so uh, okay yeah, that, that was awesome. We do appreciate you sending that in for us, Chris. The worst hitter matchups for Week 19. The Astros, the Twins, the Dodgers, the Royals, and the Padres. So there you have it, the Week 19 pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line & Kugels. And I'm shipping out to Arizona on Saturday. It's going to be very hot out there in the desert, so I'll need a nice cold beverage to cool me down. That is Line & Kugels' Summer Shandy exactly what i'll be drinking the perfect blend of crisp lemonade and refreshing beer gonna have to meet up with my guy the welsh too maybe we'll grab a summer shandy together and that's not all they offer they also have a session hellas which has all the flavor of a crisp german style beer but it's only 99 calories and if you're into ipas line and has their lemon haze ipa it's a well balanced hazy ipa that blends hops with delicious lemonade so no matter what type of beverage you're craving Lining Kugels has you have covered. Just head on over to Liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com or follow Lining Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. All right, let's fire it up. The Furriometer, which is, again, just the Worryometer on a Friday. Garrett Cole, I guess we have to talk about it again, right? Because he kind of got bombed against Tampa Bay, a team that... Knows him very well. Five and a third innings pitch, six hits, eight runs, seven of those were earned. He did leave the start with five earned runs and then a reliever came in and let those runs score. Did have 10 strikeouts. Did have 23 swinging strikes. Right. But I'll point out again, 10 starts since the beginning of June. Now a 4.71 ERA for Garrett Cole. Yeah. Wariometer, Scott. Only like a only like
0: a three because he had the two great starts prior to this one. And and certainly the stuff was great in this one still, you know, I might even say a two. I I think, I think Chris has described it this way before where, how this is probably going to play out with the spin rates being down. And, you know, they haven't been down the same amount consistently for Cole, but they were down pretty good amount in this one. They're, they're still going to be great. A lot of the time, just not, as great, as consistently, and uh, I think that's what we're seeing here. But overall, I I, I still think like I, I I think Cole would be the pitcher I want, second only to Degrom.
1: Yeah, he's number two in my rankings. <laughs> Maybe that changes with Max Scherzer, but I mean we're splitting hairs at that point. Carlos Jordan at the Royals on Thursday, four innings, eight hits, four runs, nine hard hit balls allowed. His fastball and slider were both down. One one and a half miles per hour. Now that's two starts in a row where his velocity has been down around that mark. Last six starts for Rodon. He's got a 4.06 ERA. The furriometer on Carlos Rodon. I'll go as
0: high as three on that one, but it's still gonna, you know, it's still pretty low for me. I worry that. You know, maybe first full year back from Tommy John surgery, maybe the innings are getting to a point where his performance is going to suffer, but they've done a pretty good job of limiting his innings over the course of this season. It's not, you know, the, the, the total he's at right now isn't so bad. All things considered, I think what's worth pointing out as far as the velocity specifically goes is that, uh, let me see if I have this right here. So, I don't so what's his season average for velocity do you have that there
1: It's 95.9 miles per hour on the fastball
0: Yeah for the season in April he was averaging 94.9 like okay. the velocity's been going up over the course of the season So there there's been some fluctuation throughout for for Rodon and uh so you know a drop of a mile per hour and a half In his case you know, it, it, on a one-off start it would be not be much of a concern for anybody. The fact it's back-to-back starts okay, but it's still it's still a velocity he was doing great with earlier in the year.
1: My guy Lance Davis in the YouTube chat just throw this up for a second. You can borrow my copy of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> I appreciate that Lance. Honestly, I don't even need a copy of it. Just let me know what streaming device it's on and and I'll try to watch it some point soon because I actually do want to watch it. so. I appreciate the help there, Lance Davis. Uh, all right, so Carlos Rodon, not really worried about it. Let's transition into the drop meter here, Scott. Eduardo Escobar, Eduardo Rodriguez, man. All these trades are, um, I'm all over the place. Eduardo Rodriguez up against the Blue Jays. Three and a third, six runs allowed, four walks, eight strikeouts. It is the ninth time this season he's allowed four plus runs, earned runs, in a start. He's still 83% rostered. Scott the dropometer on Erod. I would say I'll s I'll say
0: five. No, I would drop him for Luis Patino if it came to it, but I'd rather not drop him. He's he's been, you know, I talked about how difficult Musgrove has been to assess this year, but Eduardo Rigas has been the most difficult pitcher to assess because like he had 18 swinging strikes in this one, I believe. His swinging strike rate all year long is very steady with previous years. His XFIP is 331. Uh, It looked like he was getting back on track. His previous four starts or five starts were were all pretty good. Uh, There there was a one-inning start. I guess six starts, technically, because one of them, it was only a one-inning situation. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, but let's pretend that one didn't happen. <laughs> the others the others were fine. Uh, so it seemed like he was getting back on track. The underlying numbers are all very good for Eduardo Rodriguez, and uh, I, I don't know why the performance hasn't been there. I don't know, but I'd rather not drop him.
1: Last one, Taiwan Walker up against the Braves. Five innings, five runs allowed. Still had seven strikeouts, but has 16 earned runs over his last three starts. That is nine and a third innings pitched. I thought there was going to be regression at some point, but it is smacking us in the face here, Scott.
0: The regression has come for Taiwan Walker. Yeah, during the those three starts, his ERA has gone from drum roll, please, looking at Wednesday's numbers. His ERA, Taiwan Walker's ERAs in three starts has gone from two fifty to three seventy one, and what I find interesting about that. Uh, oh, suddenly the XP's up to 424. Mm. Okay. I, th- I thought his XFIP was high threes. So, you know, looked like he had brought his ERA up to the XFIP. But nope. XFIP's just plain bad. And uh, a lot less confidence in Taiwan Walker now, I'd say.
1: Where is he on the dropo meter?
0: Right. Well, if I gave Eduardo Rodriguez a five. I I think also a five for Walker. Drop
1: him for Patino? Yeah. All right. Any interest in these players? Let's really breeze through these. Got Kyle Freeland up against the Padres. Six innings, one run, four strikeouts. He's only 9% rostered. His last seven starts, he has a 1.98 ERA. Any interest?
0: Very low. Like, his improvement has coincided with increased slider usage, and so I find that interesting. But still, the underlying numbers aren't great during this good stretch.
1: Josh Harrison went three for five with his sixth home run. He's quietly batting 294 with an 800 OPS, 36% rostered. Any interest?
0: Mm, nah, just as a deep league play. He's, interest, he's I have interest in leagues where it's probably obvious you'd have interest.
1: Patrick Wisdom hit his 16th home run, yet he still has a 39% strikeout rate in July. He's 38% rostered.
0: Well, I assume he's going to play every day now. With Rizzo gone, and probably doesn't matter if Bryant's going to be traded, but is he going to be good? It's funny. I thought, I thought, um, Ha, Sarah Koss was the one who was going to fall off of the late 20s minor league sluggers to get a shot in the majors, but wisdom has fallen off much harder. And I'm not sure he's going to rebound.
1: Each of Rowdy Telez and Tyron Taylor had three hits on Thursday. Telez is batting .378 with four home runs in 15 games with the Brewers. Tyron Taylor, .364 batting average, three homers, two steals in the month of July. They are both rostered in 10% or less of CBS leagues, but you kind of have to worry about playing time with both of them moving forward. Any interest? Yeah, I mean, Telez
0: with every good game he has, is getting... More interesting, uh, and and I mean, Taylor. I, I know I was r- really excited about Taylor earlier in the season, and and then he just didn't maintain. I would keep an eye on both. I don't I don't think there's much pressure to pick them up at this point.
1: They are both available in a 15 team roto league of mine. So, in a format like that, I would check to see if either or both Roddy Teles and Tyrone Taylor are available. Kyle Farmer, we spoke about who. Is kind of interesting, and he has good matchups next week. He's eight percent rostered. He has second, third, and shortstop eligibility. Miguel Cabrera went three for three with a double dong. Fifteen percent rostered. Anything, Scott? I mean, look, if Joey Votto can happen, maybe Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. Uh, this was his second and third home runs of July, so it's not like he's really been hot. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not holding my breath for that.
1: All right, some notable dingers from Thursday. Vlad Jr. hit his 33rd. Austin Meadows went three for five with a double dong. He's now at 20 homers. Salvador Perez hit his 25th. Andrew McCutcheon went two for three with his 20th home run. Austin Riley went two for four with his 21st. Dansby Swanson hit his 18th. Pete Alonzo hit his 23rd. And Wilson Contreras hit his 17th. The call to the pen, not many bullpen updates. Will Smith had his 21st save. Mark Melanson got his 32nd. That's it. To stream or not to stream for Friday, Ross Stripling versus the Royals, Martin Perez at the Rays, Zach Thompson versus the Yankees, Tukey Toussaint versus the Brewers, Colby Allard versus the Mariners, and Ryan Weathers versus the Rockies.
0: So Tukey versus Milwaukee is the one that most clearly stands out there. Um, I, I could roll the dice on Zach Thompson versus the Yankees on Ross Stripling versus the Royals but it, it's more of a gamble in my eyes. I'm not sure
1: the upside is worth the downside. That's the Blue Jays' return to Rogers Center, so Ross is going to be pumped up, I think, hopefully. For Saturday, <laughs> Matt Manning versus the Orioles, John Lester versus the Cubs, Vince Velasquez at the Pirates, Marco Gonzalez at the Rangers. Kyle Muller versus the Brewers and Joe Gray. That is not true. He will not be starting against the Diamondbacks <laughs> anymore. So I'm going to scratch him off this list, Scott. Uh, Manning, yep. Lester, Velasquez, Gonzalez, Muller. Pick on the Brewers
0: again, Kyle Muller. I mean, it's not just picking on the Brewers. I, I think Muller and Tuki Toussaint, looking at the Friday streamers, both have upside that can take advantage of that kind of matchup. I don't really even halfway like any of the others here, I can force myself to recommend Matt Manning against the Orioles, I guess, but...
1: Marco Gonzalez against the Rangers, I, I think it was Chris who gave out his expected ERA is horrific. Over seven, right? But the Rangers are also horrific, and they don't have Joey Gallo anymore, so... I can True. talk myself into Marco Gonzalez. I'm not actually going to use John Lester against the Cubs, but for similar reasons, if they trade Baez and Brian, or at least one of them, that lineup is going to look very pitiful. So that is a team that you can look to stream against moving forward. For Sunday, Brad Keller at Toronto. Logan Webb versus the Astros. Mike fulton versus the Mariners. Vladimir Gutierrez at the Mets. Adbert Auslai at the Cubs. Brett Anderson at the Braves. Yikes yikes
0: <laughs> yeah Jim Halpert gif right there or GIF. I think I called it a gif I always called it a GIF. yes anyway. yes Scott you finally said it right <laughs> um that is highly debatable anyway <laughs> Brad Keller at Toronto I'm I'm big into Brad now so I'm that one's I'm, I'm fine with that I know Albert Azalei isn't actually at the Cubs because he pitches for the Cubs
1: <laughs> he's at Washington sorry
0: that one could go okay, but he's given up a lot of home runs lately. I, I think I might go with Logan Webb over him, even though he's facing the Astros. Oh, man. He's facing the Astros. I, I stopped saying Astros at the worst possible part of Astros. <laughs> Stop saying Astros. I don't know if you noticed that.
1: I was going to let it slide, but you brought it up. Uh, basically, stream stream pitchers before you get to Sunday. That I think that's the biggest takeaway here. Uh, some mm. fantasy justice. It's It's a pretty short one, but let's talk about it. yeah from jordan we have a team in our league that is currently five and ten and realistically has no shot at the playoffs they dropped john gray and michael Pineda without picking anybody up in return is this suspicious enough to determine collusion and how should it be handled should the commissioner re-add re-add them back on his team or should it be let go and hope he does not continue to drop players without adding others
0: well, are you sure he wasn't like activating players from the IL? is, is, is he just have empty bench spots now? Uh, I'd, I'd double check that before you made any accusations. I don't know how your waiver wire set up because, I mean, in theory everybody has a shot at this. I don't know if it's a fab system, in which case really everybody has a shot at it or if it's a situation, hey, look, I'm, the, I'm top in waiver priority. Why don't you drop this guy for me? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how deep the league is. If it's a standard 12-teamer, it doesn't really raise an eyebrow for me that John Gray and Michael Pineda are being dropped. Mm. John Gray is pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good, but... Could get traded. So good that it would shock you if he was dropped in a 12-team league? No. I mean, I'd want to pick him up if he was, but...
1: I think it's just the circumstances, right? It's the fact that this team is in last place and... They probably could use John Gray or Pineda, well, and they're not. He didn't say they were in last place. They're five and ten. No, that's true.
0: But they don't seem to have much of a chance. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's enough to make that kind of accusation on its own. Mm. To be honest, because even even if he even if there is a top guy in waiver priority that this person's colluding with, he could only pick up one of these two. You know, it's not like he can get them both. Mm. Well, I guess I guess maybe waivers could be set up. Mm, usually not, though. Usually you would go to the back of the
1: line if you picked up one of these two. Smells a little fishy to me. I don't know. I, I guess you could just ask the person and see how they handle it. If they get very defensive or something, maybe there's something going on. But, yeah, they're not amazing players figure it out i don't know we really did not help you here but that was fantasy justice <laughs> i just want to play the sound again Man, we have hit the end of the road here and i'm sure we're gonna have a few more podcasts on friday depending on what trades go down so be on the lookout for those for scott i am frank thank you all for listening and watching fantasy baseball today we actually not me scott and chris will be back again on monday bye bye